Hi, I'm Kate. I'm Sean. I'm Lisa, and this is Watch Your Harry, a podcast where three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. All right, what's everyone drinking tonight? So I was telling Lisa, Kate, before you got on that I have had a, for me, weirdly social week. So I am not drinking alcohol tonight because my body can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am drinking a Waterloo blueberry sparkling mm-hmm. water is my preferred sparkling water brand. It's the best one. And they've expanded from just being at Whole Foods, which is great. Yeah. The lime one's really great. Oh, I haven't, I've had the black cherry and the blueberry and both of them are delicious. Yeah. They're really good. I've had How the about strawberry. You, Ooh. Coconut's um, not I'm, good. I'm drinking, um, a truly... I wish um, you guys could see the, the look of absolute disgust on her face as it, she looks at her own drink. Is watermelon and kiwi. Mm. Um, the Somebody left it in my fridge. It's vile. Yeah. But it is the only thing I have. So here we go. It's a four loco exclusively for white women, I think. Oh, except there's no energy in it. So it's not even fun. It's not fun. Uh, I'm drinking, we're like, we had Leah's younger sibling over on Sunday for kebaba palooza. <laughs> we made a ton of kebabs and had a bunch of beers and got to drink for Sunday. Um, so there's Coronas in the fridge. I'm trying to avoid, I've been drinking them so much that my eczema is flaring up. It's like very embarrassing. Um, well, so tonight- wait, what? I, when I drink too much beer, there's something in it that gives oh. me my like eczema flares up. So okay, just normalizing not just eczema. I thought it was corona gives like, you eczema. Just beer. <laughs> Light beer for some, no, it's when I drink every day that it happens. So. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Actually. Um, so tonight to keep it cleaner, I'm drinking a Moscow mule with jasmine tea, ginger beer, which is really fun. Ooh. Um, and vodka so Ooh, I'll get there quickly this. and I see that you have the proper setup you have like the copper mug and mm-hmm. it was a bridesmaid gift from my sister's wedding nice it still comes in really nice so uh so I've been up to this fan fiction project <laughs> oh yeah so this is this is actually really exciting so we're talking about fan fiction today and Lisa and Kate I think this was like your first Mm-hmm. interaction with fan fiction right harry yeah. potter fan fiction when i was a kid i read um the sort of truth series by terry goodkind and i was way too young for like the sexual shit uh, which was maybe formative i don't know but so i would like delve into that fan fiction but it never occurred to me to delve into harry potter fan fiction which would be a lot more fun i don't know how about you lisa uh no i have never ever ever read fan fiction um to be perfectly honest, I didn't really get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I don't think it's my thing, but I, I did, I did get through what I needed to get through. Um, and you know, I just, I don't know why it's not my thing. I feel like it should be, but oh. does it make sense? Like, yeah, it, I mean, like it's, it it's not everybody's suit. thing. Yeah. But yeah, maybe I, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know what? I have a lot of respect for people who can write 
that creatively Mm -hmm. and I am not one of those people at all so I have like I'm super envious of that yeah um but I just for whatever reason I just I couldn't get into it and maybe it was like it's not like as I actually enjoyed what I read like I I enjoyed Mm -hmm. the fan fiction that I chose um I thought it was like really enjoyable and creative because it was like really different and like kind of jumped around a lot Mm -hmm. um and so I, I like I enjoyed that aspect of it, but it's not like I I feel empowered to like go out and read some more. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> not your flavor, I get it. Um, okay, but before so before we jump into fan fiction in general and then our individual fanfics, I did have a question for you guys that is sort of like fanfic adjacent. Hmm. Okay. So this was something that I kind of stumbled across on the internet a couple of months ago and it has been taking up space in my mind and I've been thinking about it a lot. So uh, do you guys know that Amazon is making like a Lord of the Rings television show? No. I did hear about it, but I don't know anything about it. Okay. So it is not a TV show that is going to be like a revamp of the movies. Um, It takes place. It is just in like the Lord of the Rings universe. So the events of the show take place like way before The Hobbit. So there's not going to be a ton of characters that we recognize. Uh, There's going to be a couple, I think like a young Galadriel was cast, things like that. But for the most part, it's going to be like original characters just Mm -hmm. within Middle Earth. Cool. Is it just like Tom Bombadil running around? Uh, first of all, I would uh, I would watch a million episodes of a Tom Bombadil show. <laughs> all I would all I would want. Um, but so I recently came across an online petition, like a change.org thing, um, asking Amazon to keep sex out of Lord of the Rings. So apparently it was revealed that the show had hired an intimacy coordinator and casting notices asked that, asked that actors be comfortable with partial or full nudity. Uh, Amazon has not commented on whether the show will actually feature sex scenes, but with like the success of Game of Thrones, people are kind of wondering if Amazon is trying to create their own version of the show. Um, and the information of, I found the information about this casting notices and stuff from a website called Screen Rant. So I was really curious about this because I feel like within our, definitely within our lifetime is probably within the next like decade, we are probably going to see a new adaptation of Harry Potter, maybe a TV show, maybe like an HBO series, something like that. And I am curious about whether you guys think we should be taking these franchises series that are historically kid friendly and should we be like adultifying them? Mm, That's a great question. That is a really great question. I'm leaning towards no, actually. Um, I am too. And I I felt like kind of a prude. Like my first instinct was like, oh yeah, I don't think that should happen. But Hmm. at the same time, like I'm okay with like, like adultifying them in the way that the books, like, you know, like Harry Potter, like kind of naturally adultified itself, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of as the, as the progression went, Um, you know, it started with like really innocent children kind of like coming in and, you know, aside from, you know, the fact that they're just like, dealing with murder all the time Mm -hmm. um and then you know kind of getting into more of that like adult those adult themes of like um you know romantic feelings and sexual feelings and things like that and I think that's totally fine but at the end of the day we have to remember that these are still centered it's still books centered around children um you know and and children want to read them and watch the shows and I think that like it should stay that way yeah 
my first thought is I don't want to see hobbits doing anything racy. That's like actually my first thought here. But what a what a crazy opinion to have. I can't imagine not wanting to see hobbits just fuck. I you know, they've got the feet going on and just those hairy little feet. They're so they probably are always like full of so much food that they don't even <laughs> feel in the mood because I know that's how I feel. But ugh, to answer that question generally, I think I have some like I feel a little conflicted about it. So no, I don't want to add sex per se to something like the Harry Potter series. Um, but in reading the last book right now, I'm coming to find that there's a little more sexual tension than I first gave the book credit for. Um, I told you it was pretty horny. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty horny. I honestly want to like redact most of my statements from the horny books because I could build a case (laughs) at this point because I'm actually rereading the book. Like Harry reminisces a lot about time spent alone by the lake uh-huh. with Ginny and I'm like because we asked if Harry was a virgin and now I'm like no he's definitely no not a virgin. he is still and so sexual tension is kind of an important part of his development and his relationship with Ginny because based on the movies I was like I don't buy that relationship at all I think it's kind of lame so I don't want to see them having sex but I do think sexual themes would honor where they are as teenagers correct but I like about the movie that it's kind of family friendly except for all the like violence and things like that so I don't know I also don't trust most television writers to handle these themes delicately so um, I know we've had like conversations amongst ourselves about that too but if they're going to do anything like Game of Thrones where they're like showing things unnecessarily I don't support that I don't think, yeah, and I, and I agree. I think I think that the idea of keeping it still kid-friendly, it's like, you're not necessarily, you don't have to remove some of the adult themes of like, mm-hmm. you know, like like sexual feelings and relationships and, and, you know, kind of dealing with those more kind of just mature concepts and, and mm-hmm. things like that. Removing those things, I think would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you don't necessarily, you can have all of those things without having just like, dicks and boobs all over the map yeah. like you just don't need it like it's just not necessary and like you know I like you said Sean like I you know I, I feel like a prude saying that but it also at the same time it's like it doesn't it, it's almost certainly not going to add anything to the story exactly like there'd be no point in doing it other than like hey we're all adults now let's make this racy and it's like yeah mm, okay but why yeah, yeah. And, and I think that this is definitely a case where like, and, and there are just so many complaints, rightfully so, where everyone's just like, can you just like make something new? Like if you're, right. if you want to make your own Game of Thrones, don't Ooh. make it Lord of the Rings. Like just yeah. make something new. Like Lisa and I are big fans of the uh, the series, The Magicians, in which like the author specifically said, what if Harry Potter was like in grad school and they all just mm-hmm. like drank and had sex all the time. Nice. He didn't try to like, write a ver- like a more grown-up version of Harry mm-hmm. Potter with the same characters he just like created something new yeah. based off of like what he knew there was already an audience for mm-hmm. but yeah. even still I mean you know you think about the magicians right in the tv show it's like yeah they're all drinking and they're all fucking and they're all doing all of those things but you don't have to, you don't see any of it 
you just know it's there. Those right. things are still there, but it's just like, it's not, it's part of the show, but it's not yeah. the thing about the show that makes the show edgy, you yeah. know? Which They're is not sort of like Game of Thrones. To, right. Game of Thrones always use sex to make the show edgy. Yeah. And it's like, uh, which do and like need I need to do that. Like, let's maybe just have a healthier relationship. And I realized before we get yelled at, like I have, I have read all of the Game of Thrones oh, books, like gosh. more than once. There is a, a ton of sex, a ton of no, violence right. in them. Like sex. the, the, the show at the show did very famously add in even more sex than the books mm-hmm. had, but the books were already very, very adult nature. So I do understand this is a different discussion from Game of Thrones, but yeah, I, I don't think, I don't, I hope that the Lord of the Rings show will not be just like such a blatant grab at the Game of Thrones audience. And mm-hmm. I hope when we do eventually see remakes of Harry Potter that they keep in mind, like you said, where they grow in maturity throughout the books, but like, we're not adding extra stuff in just to be scandalous mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it's like, who's first, first question, what's going on with the Tolkien estate that they're like, let's do it and tarnish well, it. And so that I, so, and I don't have the answer to that. I think, and I'm sure someone who is much more of a Lord of the Rings fan could correct me. I do think the estates involved. So I would say that like, I, I think the estate's involved, so I would assume they're not going to let it get too out of hand because mm-hmm. Tolkien was very famously a very Catholic writer who did not put any of these things in his books for a reason. Mm-hmm. What I don't know, and I guess this goes back to, we're always getting back to the question of canon. I don't know if this show is going to be canon. I don't mm-hmm. know how that works when the author is not alive and they're no longer a part of the creative process. Right. I mean, even JK is part of Fantastic Beasts but it's not necessarily canon so I get that my second question not to derail us if you had like more points on that is who's gonna be having sex in that show <laughs> we don't know because I like I said I don't I don't know if they've really yeah. released who a lot of the characters are and I yeah. don't I don't think besides Gladriel was the one where I was like oh that is a character that I know yeah. from like the right. original yeah. you know Middle Earth books um, I don't, I don't know for the rest of them. I don't know that if they will be original characters, I don't know if they're characters that exist. Cause like Tolkien is written way more within like that middle earth yeah. world besides Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. So I don't know if like you were a hardcore Tolkien fan, you would recognize names yeah. or not. I this would could not. be a, this could be a separate podcast, but I think what I wanted to know is who would you want to see <laughs> having sex in that universe? You don't have to answer it. Cause I don't have an answer. I would have to, I would have to say, I hate that I have to think on that one, but like, I guess yeah. that's what I'll be thinking about now. Thank yeah. you. How I about probably you, won't think about it. <laughs> What's up with Gandalf and that other wizard? Radagast the Brown? Or... Oh, he's the best. No, I think you're talking about... Um, oh, you're talking about Saruman, sorry. Saruman, not... <laughs> they could not get that it. like little woodland wizard. <laughs> what? what about Gandalf and Radagast the Brown? <laughs> I don't know who that is. I have no idea. Listen, you were so quick to jump to that that I feel like that's your pairing because you were immediately like, I've never thought about that before. You know what? Let me just throw mm, yeah. it out there. You know what? Fine. I'm fine with it. That's it. I'm going to argue yeah. for it. Nice. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> for going on that journey with me. Yeah. It's important, mm-hmm. yeah, I think. Very good. Especially what we're jumping into now where yes. sex is a major theme in the Harry Potter fan fictions. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so really quickly, I'm just going to go over um, 
just a little bit about fan fiction for anyone listening who maybe is not as familiar with it. So fan fiction is when fans of a series, uh, fans of a series or character create new stories based on existing work. So these stories are not authorized by the original creators of the series and can infringe on copyright. Although I tried looking up Hmm. if people had gotten sued for, uh, for their fanfic. And it seems like technically you, everything I found was like, you are in copyright violation. So technically you could, but typically you don't. Yeah. I would say, I don't think anyone cares enough. I would think if you're making money off of it, that's when it would come into the fray. But because most of these people are just like throwing their stuff on like fanfiction.net and live journal and like whatever, you know, it doesn't, I don't yeah. think anyone cares. Why yeah, would these- you sue a little small time like creative writer nerd? Like who's you're... benefiting from that? Because they're not benefiting the from it. What would right. you say? <laughs> Lisa, the what worst? You... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, typically these stories, no one's making money off of these. Um, they're shared for free, free on forums and they're mostly just a way for like fans to connect with each other. So fandom communities pop up around these fan fictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the earliest examples of fan fiction in the form that like would resemble what we see and are talking about today began in the 1960s with Star Trek fanzines, mm. which I think is cool. Um, so I personally discovered Harry Potter fan fiction while the books were coming out. So obviously there would be like these big gaps of a couple of years between installment series. And in those spaces, the fan fiction community like really flourished mm. because you just had so much time on your hands and you had mm-hmm. so many theories and you wanted to keep interacting with these titles mm. and we're also talking about like the like semi-early stages of like everyone having the internet mm-hmm. you know what I mean and like really exploring that as a teenager mm-hmm. um so as Lisa said these were hosted on things like LiveJournal and fanfiction.net um and that's where I I was not people are heavily heavily into fanfiction I will say right now I was not like a super fan fiction person, but I definitely did read them growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And today, obviously something that's great about fan fiction is that it is a way to continue interacting with these characters and enjoying these stories in a way that doesn't give any money back to JK Rowling, uh, which is important. Um, Fan fiction can be, often is, but is not always sexual in nature. Uh, it's not unusual to find crossover fan fiction in which a story contains characters from different existing works. So you might find a Harry Potter fan, fan fiction that includes characters from Supernatural or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty fun to like put people putting their own spin on what they think characters would do, even if the tone of their writing and the way they write is completely different from the way Rowling writes the stories. Um, I remember as a kid leaning more into the um, like message board scene mm-hmm. of Harry yep. Potter, and there would be debates about like comparing the Death Eaters to Nazi Germany and like people truly extrapolating on all the themes and then someone would argue with them to be like no it's more like Fern Gully which I'm like I don't understand that but it's like purely creative freedom to just like take a stance and have fun and interact with each other around the characters kind of like we're doing (laughs) their podcast right Mm. Lisa you we could get more into this later but as someone who never interacted with it 
what was it like for you kind of searching for them? Oh, I actively just searched best Harry Potter fan fiction Mm -hmm. on Google and then combed through a few of them and then found one that I thought was going to be the most interesting or at least the most um, enjoyable to read. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, that's kind of how I got to where I was going. I mean, because I did a little bit of research on like the history of Harry Potter fan fiction to just kind of like figure out like where it came from like where it started mm-hmm. um you know because the harry potter fan fiction has been around since like 1999 um wow. yeah like it apparently uh what's her i have it written down um uh gypsy silverleaf is the one who's credited as being like the first well-known harry potter fan fiction she's mm-hmm. the one who started um realm um which was like the first harry potter fan site um and that was founded in 1999. So like that just like kept going um, kind of from there. And then like stuff like live journal went lo- like went online and things mm-hmm. like that. So then a lot of fans just like moved over there. Um, and so it's like, it's moved around quite a bit, but it's just kind of like taken over. Um, apparently there was like some study done, um, but like um, according to fanfiction.net um, as of like 2017, um, Harry Potter fan fiction is the overwhelming majority of the fan fiction on their website i saw that same uh that same figure yeah which is like yeah that makes sense that tracks but like that's crazy right when you think about how many just like different series exist in the world and like you know how many years how many years like over a decade since the last book came out and like it is Mm -hmm. still the number one fanfic yeah it's insane i mean this universe that you know jk created and seems just hell-bent on dismantling one brick at a time um it it just like it it's a force that she just no longer has control of Mm -hmm. um you know it's something that like it's been it got taken over by the fans so long ago Mm -hmm. that this is just no longer part i mean it she created it but it is no longer just for her like it is it's And it's almost something that just is not comparable to anything else. I mean, obviously, like, J.K. Rowling is in a stratosphere of writer that just, like, almost doesn't exist, right? It Like, you just don't, as a writer, you don't get to that level of fame. You don't get to that level of wealth. And she has always been incredibly protective over her IP, right? So that's why, like, even after the books came out, even before she was getting annoying even before she brought up all the turf stuff right she was like constantly tweeting about just like random weird tidbits she made up about the Mm -hmm. wizarding world and you were kind of like okay i don't need to know this could you stop like stop tweeting dumbledore's Um, gay like what the right but but that's because she has always been like she's held such control over Mm -hmm. these characters in this world um i am pretty sure so we talked about how typically fan fiction writers do not get you know, sued for copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. And I I read about this. I have not looked it up, so I don't want to like give you too much information, but I am pretty sure that she sued Harry Potter Lexicon when they tried to put out a book. Hmm. Like they tried, I think they tried to publish something along the lines of like their own Harry Potter encyclopedia, like they've been doing online. And I, I do think her lawyer stepped in because that was when Pottermore was being created. Mm-hmm. And obviously like those were competing 
you know, for, for basically the same audience. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think there was some sort of like legal altercation between the two of them, mm-hmm. but, but I can't think of another series, may, maybe Lord of the Rings, honestly, would be the only one I could think of where people feel so connected to and not in a bad way but entitled to those characters where Mm -hmm. it is truly like the author has lost control over it yeah it's interesting because in the fan fiction i read which we'll get into later um the writer was making up spells based in you know latin and they were so much fun and then there's um one storyline with a Jewish character, which we've never seen in that universe, where they had spells from Hebrew, the Hebrew language. And, you know, the students at Hogwarts were like, oh, you got to teach us those. And they were awesome. And it's like, why not? Why not have fun and expand that and be more inclusive with your writing and creative? So, well, yeah. And I mean, and I think that's like, um, you know, like, Sean like you were saying like the closest I think is like Lord of the Rings and I mean just imagine what it would have like imagine the trajectory of Tolkien's career too though if he grew up in this type of environment where you know like he wasn't alive when we had the internet and things like this you know so it it, it's just different you know it might have snowballed exactly the same way and we just have no idea i mean you think about how lord of the rings is there's still so much lord of the rings fan fiction out there like people still learn to speak elvish um you know and so like that's a thing um you know that i just you know there are very 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 few and honestly the only things i can think of like that truly are like harry potter and lord of the rings and star trek honestly like yeah those universes yeah but I mean those types of universes and while Star Trek isn't like a written you know medium um it's still storytelling and it's still the same idea when you think about something like Star Wars which obviously we started Mm -hmm. with the we started with the movies and then we've had you know varying series of movies but we've there's also always been this like very robust community of like Star Wars extended universe novels that George Lucas has gone back and sort of retroactively made some of them canon because they've been such fan favorites, which is wild. It is wild. It is absolutely wild to see a writer actually go back and like absorb things that he did not write. So yeah, so it it doesn't happen often, right? So probably Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. Star Wars, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, those are the only things that I can really think of, honestly. I mean, this is, it's a crazy, the fans are what make this so crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, and, and you know, if we're going to, you know, if we're giving JK any credit on that is that she knows how to write to a specific audience. Mm-hmm. And the audience that she picked was very ready to absorb it and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Like, you know, it was just, and it's, it, it, it it speaks to a lot of different generations. And I think that was almost smart, a smart move on her part where she didn't really incorporate the fact that it was the nineties in mm, there. Yep. So you don't really know what's happening. So it's not unrelatable because yeah. it's not relatable. Yeah. They didn't talk you know? about muggle like it's universe, <laughs> Right. Exactly. It's universally unrelatable. So it's one of those things where it's like, yes, the themes and the tropes and things like that, they're all yeah. super relatable because it's everything that every teenager experiences at one point in their life um 
except for you know maybe fighting the dark lord um but um in general like there is nothing to date it necessarily mm -hmm. um i mean except for you know a lot of the relationship things um you know and it's not the most inclusive mm -hmm. at all right um so that's pretty dating however um you know as far as just you know if you're reading a novel from that was written in like 1920 you know and they're talking about their like time pieces and things like that and you're like eh. like you know um you know it's just different technology she didn't include any of that and she didn't include anything about like political stuff going on at the time and she didn't include mm -hmm. any of those things so it's it's easy for it to carry over generations mm -hmm. yeah and that that was a really good idea and that was something i didn't think about when reading it but right. you're right it is it is a completely timeless story it's universal in a way mm -hmm. so I do, I do want to talk about, before we jump into our individual fan fictions, I do want to talk about one of the most famous Harry Potter fan fictions of all time. Um, but first, Kate, I think you had written something about just the kind of popular genres of Harry Potter fanfics, if you want to go over those. Yeah, I learned a lot. First, I want to give a shout out to Oprah.com <laughs> because I Googled most popular fanfics as well, but I went in and I'm like, who got which journalist got approval for this? Because Oprah really? passed under her radar. Um, she just didn't notice. She, she just didn't notice. Um, so some popular genres of fanfics, and all of these are new to me except for the erotica. And I didn't choose all of them. I chose like the ones that kind of stuck out. There's crossover, like you mentioned, Sean. Um, for example, Harry Potter meets the Avengers. Um, so alternate universe is when the writer rejects Rowling's original material and reinvents key plot points. I stayed away from that because I didn't want to mess up my like perception of the story, which the one I read already has. Um, so there's the erotica, uh, you know, the, the stuff that's not safe for work. Um, and some would probably argue that the majority of the fanfics are erotica. And here I want to give a shout out to the podcast Potterotica, um, which is an entire podcast dedicated to erotic Harry Potter fiction. And then at some point they branched out into just other erotic fan fictions, which I think is so much fun. Um, one thing that's super interesting to me are the gender bent fanfics which is the characters appear as the opposite gender from Rowling's canon which is like chef's kiss because she's so transphobic and I love that um and then the marauders are the stories that follow James Lily Sirius uh Remus and Peter Pettigrew through their years at Hogwarts which I I did delve into some of those and it was a lot of fun because we don't have very much context about um, the intricacies of, of their relationships. Um, and then there's next gen, which is like, we follow the stories of their children, which we all know how poorly that can be <laughs> done by the original author who helped write the story and whatever. I have to believe that there is next gen fanfic out there that is just so much better. Oh, so much better. Probably significantly better. Significantly better. I only got through like a quarter of that of a cursed child and I was like, well, oh. I hate Reddit and I think gave it away <laughs> to somebody. <laughs> um, so then 
I don't really understand the importance of this, but there's one shot. So it's a one chapter fanfic that could be long or short, and it kind of sticks to one plot and storyline. Um, and then post Hogwarts. So this is what I lean toward because I think it's just what I'm most interested in because the epilogue doesn't really elaborate on post Hogwarts life for the main characters. So they like follow Harry, Ron, uh, Hermione, uh, the trio and probably Neville and characters like that who were strong but didn't really get as much of a spotlight. And then we have ships and pairings, which relates to the erotica. Um, so these are the popular fandom relationships and I'm just gonna read a couple of them. You can probably guess those. So it's Draco and, no wait, you can't guess this one. Draco and Harry, <laughs> which is called Jerry. Um, Draco and Hermione, Dramione, uh, Ron and Hermione, Romione, and like, that's not exciting at all. Um, and then Harry and Ginny, and I'm gonna stop reading the like, Benefer names here, cause it's annoying me. Wait, uh, but you Gina should read the, read the serious one. Yes, because that I think was the one I was my, gonna say too. I was like, please read shift. that one. Wolfstar. 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 It's my number one ship in the Harry Potter oh, universe. Oh, 100%. Yeah. We've talked about it already. Have we? I, yeah, I mean, Sean and I have. Hmm. I, I might have to go back. Um, all right. Here's one. Here's two. Here's a couple. Here's three. All right. I'm just going to run through them. Snape and Harry. Oh. Snary. Um, <laughs> Snape and Hermione. Nope. Uh, Tom Riddle and Harry, Draco and Ginny, Ron and Harry. I would my read. Question. I'd read. Yeah, a, I go. would read a Tom Riddle Harry. Okay. This is not on here. I have also read Harry Potter and the Giant Squid. Well, that makes sense. Of course, it, it ended exactly like you think it would probably end, right? Oh, is that good for them? Good for Harry Both? and the Squid. Is I mean, sensual? I remember it being fairly loving oh, in the nice. thick. Really nice. It's, you know, Fred and George like to tickle his tentacles. Yeah. yeah. And that's canon. People? And that's canon. That's, that's straight up in the books. They like to tickle his tentacles. I think there's a lot of stories about Fred and George joining in on some things that might be incestual. With oh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Your notes, Sean. Um, so those are the popular ones. Thank you, Oprah.com. There's obviously so many more. I will say when Googling erotica exclusively that there's a scene between Draco and an apple, which I I, I did get like, to. <laughs> like, like, a, like, call me by your name. Style. Right. I was going to say like, like Timothy Chalamet and a peach. It's I have no idea what that means. Did he fuck the apple? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so it's like Call Me By Your Name. Took a bite out of it. Oh, I have to watch Call Me By Your Name. You don't. No? Okay. I love Call Me By Your Name. It's gay, right? Oh, yeah. The movie is is good. It's just now tainted by what's-his-face. Oh, yeah. You just have to ignore the fact that Army Hammer. Just try to ignore that. (laughs) Army Hammer, the cannibal's in it. Yeah. Allegedly. Alleged cannibal, think. I think legally we have to say that. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, so before we get into our individuals, are you guys familiar with My Immortal? Absolutely not, but I read some of it because you told us to. I couldn't read much of it because it felt like I was peering into the inappropriate soul 
of a 12 year old and I wanted no part of it. Okay. So this, in essence, this, this, short, <laughs> this entire saga is such a ride. So I am just going to walk you through, Okay, walk you through my immortal. So it is probably the most notorious Harry Potter fan fiction of all time. It was published in 2006. It is widely regarded as the worst fan fiction that has ever been written. Yeah, okay. sounds accurate. So it is the story of a vampire witch named Ebony who dates Draco Malfoy and loves My Chemical Romance. Characters <laughs> are all given a goth makeover and it is just generally a completely wild time. Okay, wow. so the story itself, it's very, very long. It is very poorly written. It is extremely funny without necessarily needing to be. I can't recommend it enough but it was written under a pen name and for like a really really long time no one knew who wrote my immortal which like in the age of the internet is crazy that like no one can figure out who wrote this incredibly famous fan fiction so things start to get a little bit confusing here um, around 2017, someone came out claiming to be the author of the fanfic in a post on the site Fiction Press. So 2017, this is like a decade later. Um, after a little digging, internet detectives revealed that they thought the author was Rose Christo, a novelist. She had a memoir coming out called Under the Same Stars, The Search for My Brother and the True Story of My Immortal. Crystal admitted to writing the fanfic and said her memoir was about her childhood in foster care for she was separated from her younger brother. She was also supposed to address the writing of My Immortal in the memoir. So if I am remembering the story correctly, she basically said that she had written My Immortal as a way, like, and had purposely written it very poorly as a way of sort of garnering all this attention because it did, this, this thing blew up. Everyone read My Immortal if you were like involved in Harry Potter fan fiction at this time, okay? So we're all like, all right, we, we have the mystery is solved. We finally know who wrote My Immortal. But her story started to fall apart. Um, someone claiming to be her brother spoke out and said her story of being in foster care was a lie, as, bunch, uh, as well as a bunch of other claims. She claimed Native American ancestry that he called into question. Her memoir ended up getting canceled. As far as I can tell, um, she maintains that she wrote the fanfic, but like no one can really confirm that at this point because so much of the rest of her story has fallen apart. So we think she might have written it. She like seems to have some proof that she wrote it. I think she had like original documents and things like that, but like no one's really sure. Okay, so. Did what? she kill the person who wrote it? <laughs> who knows? We also, don't... why would you necessarily even want credit for it? I think it will because it was around this time that this memoir was coming out. Mm. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So all that information was from, there's a couple of BuzzFeed articles by Alana Bennett. Um, one is the story of my immortal is more wild and heartbreaking than you imagine. And then people think they have the answer to a decade long mystery of who wrote my immortal. Um, and then Fox also had a story on it called who is my immortals author Tara. We still don't know by Aja Romano, which is where I got a lot of that information from. Um, but it is, so it is still a mystery within the fandom. Excellent. And I'm pretty sure someone actually went, so you can find, you can still find it online. And I'm pretty sure someone made a YouTube series based on it, which I haven't seen, but I would like to see. Oh. We should watch it together somehow. Yeah, we should. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, 
did you read it in real time, Sean, or did you come so later? I read parts of it in real time. I think I didn't read it in full until a couple of years later. Um, it is very, very long. Yeah, is- I tried to like scroll through some of it and like pick up the gist of it, but it was just like, oh my God. And it is really rough to get through. It's really hard to get <laughs> It's through. that bad. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just like grading pad. And so, so if this person did actually write it, who claimed to write it, she does claim that she wrote it poorly on purpose. And I am inclined to believe her because it 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 is is, written so poorly. It would be actually kind of hard to do it on purpose. I mean, it would be hard to do it not on purpose. Like, like that would be hard for that to be your natural writing style. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, we should read her memoir. Well, you can't. Because it didn't come out because it got pulled because very well yeah so we'll never know what a weird memoir to green light (laughs) who's gonna read that you know many people people were excited because we all thought that like we knew who it was gotcha wow wild that's so interesting what a wild time (laughs) wild ride uh sean do you want to dip into the one you read I don't, so I, you guys can decide, I, should I lead or should I close with this? It is an incredibly sexually explicit uh, fanfic. Let's leave the sex for the end. And yeah, let's leave close it. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to go first only because I don't totally know what to say about it. I'll go first. I have a lot to say. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so... I have never gotten into fan fiction like I got into fan fiction over the past couple of weeks. And I made a joke about this, but I read the fanfic called Rebuilding, which was 300 chapters. The person posted one every day. Um, I only got through 150 chapters because I didn't space it out enough. Um, And I read the 150th today. So I intend to finish it, but I won't have the motivator anymore. Um, So I will say that this proved to be a lifestyle change for me. (laughs) It impacted my sleep hygiene. I would read it during work hours. I like talked about it while my partner was kind enough to ask about what was happening in the story at that point. um, So we could like relate over shared interests, but I haven't read anything else. I've been reading this for weeks. Uh, So, because it took me like 15 to 20 minutes to read each one because they were like semi long. So it was kind of a commitment. So I am happy to have committed to this for the past couple of weeks. so I'll give you an overall recap of the storyline and then sort of explain the separate storylines. And then really just my favorite thing to talk about would be the relationships. So I'm going to skim over the other parts because it incorporated like so many of the shipping relationships and then ones we've never thought of, I think. So uh, this is a post-war story and I wanted to learn more about post-war because of the epilogue kind of not filling in many details. Um, So in this story, the premise is the Hogwarts castle is essentially destroyed and it's destroyed by dark magic, which we know is hard to fix with non-dark magic. So 
it took like communities coming together and all the professors working on it. And um, they kept having press come to the school to take pictures of the rebuilding because parents were afraid to send their kids back. So um, Hermione is essentially the main character of this story. When we get to like 70 chapters in, we start branching out into other characters. But um, so Hermione's memory charms were too strong uh, the how she obliterated her parents because um, she's such a good witch. They were too strong and she couldn't break the memory charms and bring them back. So we learn that her parents are like living happily in Australia, never knowing who she is. Oh my um, God, I hate that. This is a story of trauma, by the way. I'll be giving legitimate trauma, like trigger warnings before we talk about certain things because fuck it's really oh triggering God. like they don't give any trigger warnings which the story was actually written in 2016 so it's surprising one that it was written that recently and two that there weren't trigger warnings or any like there was no warning about the really dark themes re related to every character having ptsd so i'll pause before them um so hermione returns to hogwarts to join the effort to rebuild it um, before the school year starts. And we learn that she and Ron broke up, which I love um, because Ron, which we could talk about at another time. Uh, so they broke up because she couldn't get over that he left them while they were hunting for Horcruxes. And the author doesn't really dig into this because it's sort of just an impetus for the Draco Hermione relationships that I'll, exp or relationship that I'll explain. Um, so she goes back to Hogwarts. She's the only student there helping to rebuild. Um, she's in the library cleaning books and putting them back on shelves because they were destroyed during the war. And then another student turns up and McGonagall is like, you're going to have another student here just warning you. You're going to be like joined by this student and Hermione is living in the uh, Slytherin common room because I'm so into this story, by the way, because I didn't even take many notes about this because it's really uh, fresh. Um, and stop me if I go too long, Sean, you can cut me off at any point because we can't have a two hour episode, I guess. So Hermione's in the Slytherin common room and who walks in, take a guess. Draco, Draco Malfoy. Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. He and would not be allowed back in the school. <laughs> no, it's a redemption story, my friends. It's yeah, like, but... he's sad. He's a sad boy. And so he's trying to escape Malfoy Manor because his parents are both living there again. And that was the scene where like everyone was tortured and all that good stuff. Um, and good we stuff. find out that Harry testified on behalf of the Malfoy family so they're not in Azkaban, which is very convenient for the author of the story. Um, so he joins Hermione, spending every day in the library, cleaning off books, reshelving them. And then it's a very quick arc where like the will they won't they doesn't last long at all. He's handsome. She's like demure. She's like on the she's like coming off her breakup whatever and he's hot and he's smart she learns how smart he is he's like let's do the arithmetic section next and she's like oh my god i love that and he's like i love that too so um i'll get into like the mental health of the main characters so 
I also have I, to say I, I want to throw it. Lisa is making very vulgar hand movements yeah. throughout all of this, and Kate doesn't even see because they're so no, I saw. in this. I saw. I just didn't know how to acknowledge it. Lisa, how would you describe <laughs> your hand motions? Um, I mean, it's pretty classic, just you know, P and V. P and V penetration. And then you know, I don't know why too in, in V. Because it's enhancing an experience for some it people. It is, yeah. And so, then, you know. Oh my, yes. Would you want to? No. no. Just leave that with the sound they effect. Can, I think that one. Can, <laughs> you know, listeners, they can imagine. They can imagine. Um, so I also want to say there isn't a plot really driving the story. It's like <laughs> over a hundred chapters of us just hanging out with the supporting characters who we've never really met before. It's like Padma Patil and Pansy whatever her name is from Slytherin and Theodore Knott from Slytherin and Susan Bones who's like everyone's going through a thing. Everyone's going through a thing. So even like Percy's going through a thing which for some reason he's hanging out at Hogwarts now. Things are very convenient in this story. Um, So I'll touch on the different storylines just a little bit because I don't want to go for too long. But um, this is where I want to do a trigger warning and take a beat because the story focuses on post-traumatic stress disorder in really subtle ways where the characters we follow are sort of building each other up and exploring coping tools. So there are themes of alcoholism, self-harm, eating disorders and that might those might be the main ones that pop out to me so to take a beat okay um so draco is self-harming he's cutting theodore not is falling deeper and deeper into alcoholism hermione is just like hexing people and yelling at them (laughs) and dating Draco and Ginny is flying with Draco like every other day because they become homies and she's flying so fast that she'll like hit into the ground and stuff like like suicide uh attempts and then Padma has an eating disorder and Susan Bones is sleeping with everyone at Hogwarts everyone she's like anyway and these things aren't handled with care at all they're not handled with care they're just kind of like lit up in neon lights and the characters try to help themselves help each other through with like not positive coping mechanisms like Draco and Hermione just yelling at Theodore not for drinking and he's like I guess I won't drink anymore and like trying to make Padma eat and trying to get Susan Bones to stop sleeping with people and like trying to just tell Hermione she's kind of angry and then like taking Draco's knife out of his drawer and it's like fucking mind-blowing how (laughs) no like I haven't acknowledged the author yet but I'm like it's okay maybe you don't understand these things but I understand these things so they're really awful but um we find out that Mrs. Weasley becomes the defense against the dark arts professor and she has an intense bias against anyone related to death eaters and that's like 50 chapters right there and then Hermione and Draco obviously so if I'm not over time can I go into 
some of the relationships. I yeah. can cut it down. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So obviously Ginny and Harry, we learn about them more. Harry's in our training. Um, so he like can't see Ginny. Obviously Hermione and Draco. Trigger warning. Or no, spoiler alert. So obviously Hermione and Draco, spoiler alert. I had to skip to the end, but they get married and have a baby named Scorpius <laughs> or Calliope. Um, they're deciding. And then Theodore Knott and Neville get together and there's some racy scenes about them like taking each other's pants off and stuff like that, which I love. But then Neville has internalized homophobia, so he goes and dates Hannah Abbott. Um, and then... My favorite one is Theodore Knott. And can you guess who he's in a queer relationship with? Is it Ron? No. He's in a queer relationship with... uh, He's in Slytherin. Is it... So Blaze... Goyle? Is that me? No, I think Boyle died. I think Crab Boyle died, but... um, Yeah, Go- no, just crab died. I just called him crab goyle right there. One yeah, person. Crab died. Goyle, goyle was fine. Yeah. Wait, who is it? Percy Weasley. Oh, you nice. did mention him and then we forgot about him. Yes. So I also didn't mention all the cross house friendships that were being built in the wake of the war because whatever, they weren't subscribing to that shit anymore. But we find out that Percy, because he's somehow hanging out at Hogwarts. Seems fine and not creepy at all i don't even know they like meet each other and they like wink a lot and then like they're all internalized and homophobic but we find out that percy was experimenting with boys after he broke up with penelope because she told him to go experiment so he was like getting it on with some ravenclaws which makes sense and then he cruised a muggle bar which he said was his worst experience um so that's one of the things I like about this story is that they just go way out into relationships that could have happened but didn't um all the supporting characters seem to be highlighted like the ones in the houses that you heard their name but you didn't know anything about them um trauma was definitely handled poorly but you know and the plot wasn't driving the chapters at all it was kind of like you get to just there was like a chapter about them getting their periods. There was like a chapter about Passover. It was like just hanging out with the characters, which was really fun. And I'm going to keep reading it. So I, I apologize if I spoke for too long. Um, but I would highly recommend this fanfic if you want to dig into a story that's kind of just fun in a lot of ways, but also could shape as it did for me how you conceptualize the entire series like it's deep in my head i'm not okay i'm like fully believing that these storylines occurred after the war um and i'd love to ask you guys you both about that after you describe your fanfics to see if it influenced what you think about the canon well i really so can you remind us of the title and the author it's called rebuilding and the author, it's they just call themselves uh, call themselves Calubrina. Um, and at the bottom of every chapter, they have a little message where they say, um, 
like thank you fans like my readership has exploded um they had 5,000 followers, 40,000 reviews, um, like 200,000 readers. And so it blew up within the first 50 chapters and they kept acknowledging how grateful they were and then how, you know, if they couldn't respond to Tumblr messages, they intended to. And um, at one point they acknowledged like, kind of dealing with some mental health. So I'm not gonna post for a little while. And the fandom really, delved into this. So I highly encourage you to try it, even if just a few chapters to get a feel for it. It sounds awesome. And I, awesome. I love how excited you are about that. Like, you like you you just look so thrilled. Yeah, and I kind of just want to read it because you clearly love it so much. I love it so much. There's like feasts and another Yule ball and an Easter yeah thing like All an right. easter ball at drake the malfoy thing and narcissa hates hermione because they get engaged and get married and it's like mm -hmm. really juicy wow spill the All tea right. on that. spill the tea anyway <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs> all right lisa what what is your fanfic okay so mine was different i went for a marauder story because i've always liked the marauder story i've always said if they do a tv series it should be about the marauders um but um so mine was called the shoebox project um and it was written by two people um they just go by dorkerific and lady jada um and this is primarily just a remus and serious shipping perfect um, love fan it. fiction um, so it made sense that this is the one I went for. Um, so, um, I did not get into mine nearly as much as Kate got into theirs, but I did like it. I like did enjoy it. I like specifically went for it for a reason. So essentially the, the basic overview of, um, of this fan fiction was that, um, it was like Sirius and Remus's relationship and them like writing letters to each other while they're on summer vacation and kind of getting to tell their story through through those um that medium um and then it was like also you know sprinkled in like different memories that they that they both had and they both shared and then different like journal entries between you know certain things and like kind of crammed in like things that you would keep in an old shoebox I think is the whole idea um so there was like different like fan art as well attached to it, which was kind of cool. Um, so like that was really fun. Um, so I definitely didn't read all of it. Um, there was, um, it's pretty long. Um, it's not super long. It's like definitely readable, um, but it was pretty long. I mean, um, it was like 26 different parts to it. Um, and each part was probably like, you know, 17 to 35 pages, depending on each one. Oh, wow. um, That's a lot. Yeah. So I super did not read all of it. Yeah. Um, but um, essentially it's really sweet the way that it kind of starts out. Cause it kind of, so it starts from the summer going into their sixth year. Um, and so um, it's Sirius and James staying at um, their parent, like James's parents vacation home or wherever. Um, and Sirius and Remus writing letters back and forth to each other. Um, and so it starts off like progressively just them, you know, 
talking about their friendship and how they want to see each other and you know things like that and kind of moving through it and then you get these like little bursts in from James who will put like a postscript on the letters and be like hey I really wanted to write to you too but Sirius always writes them by himself so I never get a word in edgewise um so you know you start to get those like little sprinkles of like there's something more going on between them um I like wrote down like one of my favorite quotes from was from part one um where it was just like it's like a cheeky little response where you kind of like get that like first little cheeky intimate joke whereas like one of the letters was Remus um apologizing for a smudge on the letter because he drips part of his cheese sandwich on um on the thing and then Remus, and then Sirius in his following letter writes back and he's like I want to help you eat your sandwich um and so I was like that's weird <laughs> so overall this fan fiction was extremely PG-13 like it was very it was not smutty it was not like anything you know there was nothing super explicit in any of the in any of the writings at least not in my like one selective reading um there was definitely like um a lot of like language you know like like squaring and cursing that you would expect the teenagers to do but other than that it wasn't like um there was no explicit sex that went on um in the in the series just kind of like interpreted sex i guess for for lack of better words yeah it's more like the romance so that's all this was was building up their relationship so it was like kind of fun because it kind of starts then it kind of dives back into their you know into the hogwarts scene where they get back to school and it tells a memory of a story where the marauders are all on the grounds on a full moon um and they lose sight of lupin um and so they're trying they're freaking out trying to find him and the big difference between James and Peter worrying is that they're worried that he's going to hurt somebody and Sirius's big worry is that he's worried how Remus will feel if he hurts somebody um and um he's like already trying to take the blame for everything that happened so like if he hurts somebody he's like it's my fault I'm gonna come clean like this is this is me um and so it just kind of keeps going from there um and so then Sirius gets holds of Remus's journals and he was reading through them from like, you know, the like first year. Um, and, you know, he starts to like realize that like, you know, you start to read the, the journals and he's like mentioning all of his friends and talking about them. He mentioned Sirius the most. And he's like talking about like how he's so cool. And he's like, you know, he's the friend I like, like hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it really starts to get in around part 11 this is a slow burn guys (laughs) it really starts to get in on about part 11 where it's james's birthday um and he gets okay this is where i'm a little i I move off a little bit here um because he scores a bunch of gillyweed and i'm like cool are they gonna go swimming in the lake (laughs) right all it does is give you gills right apparently not if you smoke it then it's like pot Hmm. According to this fan fiction, I don't agree with that, but here I we are. They describe it as being like almost like a big rubber ball of tentacles. Uh, like, I yep. don't think you want to burn that. I don't think you should try to burn that, but they did. And have they you tried it. it? I have really not. Tried it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like he said it was like, like squishy worms. Like, it was like, no, I don't think you're supposed to try to smoke this, but here we are. Um, so they get high, and Sirius is kind of like tempting Remus to like participate, even though he's like, to it um but it's the first time you really get to see or at least that i see um the two of them alone kind of like interacting and they're starting to kind of like cross that boundary where like Sirius is like super high and like 
you know, just trying to like have a good time. And um, Remus is trying to calm him down. And so he's like giving him a massage, um, which is like giving me my second favorite quote from Sirius, which is, oh God, you have the most enormous hands, freakishly enormous. Does that ever? Mm, yeah, you are a God, Mooney, a God among men. Oh, I love drugs. I want to live in an opium den, an opium den with scalp <laughs> massages. He's never okay, Sirius. No. Wow. So that's that scene. Uh, nothing happens in that scene except for the massages and the like, that kind of um, kind of thing. Um, and then it kind of goes on from there. Um, in part 12 is the first time that Re um, Sirius kisses Remus. Um, and it's like a goodbye on the platform. So it's like a quick like kind of thing. And then he's like, maybe we shouldn't mention this. Just and then- chills. No. And then, um, then it goes back to letters and they're talking about, you know, um, the, Sirius really wants Remus to come visit them. Remus doesn't think that his parents are going to let them go. Um, and so he's trying to go through it. But while Remus is gone, Sirius meets a girl that he's work that he meets working in a muggle pub. And um, so, and then he starts dating her. Her name's Sophie. Um, and he writes about her in the letters. And Remus's response is always, Sophie seems like a nice girl. Um, and so he's always taking the bait and he's getting really jealous and um, kind of trying to figure that out. Um, and then the whole year goes on. Now we're on part 23, slow burn again. Um, and they are in the library and Sirius is trying to convince Remus to quit studying and go party with them um, before they start their new exams. Um, and he's like, no, 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 I got to study, get out of here. Um, and Remus has already been trying to like distance himself from Sirius because he like doesn't care about his girlfriend and he doesn't like want to be a part of it. Um, but then, um, you know, but he also kind of thinks to himself like, well, somebody has to worry about him. I'm the only one who cares. Um, so he stays part of part of his life. Um, but then when he's in the library, Molly's brother, <laughs> Fabian Pruitt, <laughs> comes into the library and he's like macking it with some dude in the stacks um, in the restriction section. And Remus is like, I'm not hearing this. I don't want to hear it. And then he's like, but I want to hear it. And so um, you know, he like falls out of his chair and they see him and they're like, and he's like, I didn't see anything. And they were both kind of like, honestly, we don't give a fuck if you see it, if you saw anything, because we love each other and that's all we care about. And he was like, oh, that's nice. And then he like catches up with Fabian Pruitt like later on. And he's like, hey, I need some advice because I'm in love with my best friend and I don't know what I'm doing. Wow. Um, and he's like, you need to tell him. And he's like, okay. And so then he like kisses Sirius full on the mouth. And then he was so nervous to do it that he throws up. <sighs> and then um, now they're like together. Um, and um, in part 26, this is the last one. It just kind of ends with James and Lily. They're like getting married. Um, and then um, not getting married, but like getting engaged. Um, and then that kind of brings Sirius and Lupin more together. It's still, again, it would probably be more clear if I really read it in detail, mm -hmm. um, but it's still unclear if it's like everybody knows about it. I assume James and Lily know about it, but other than that, maybe not everybody. Um, and the, that whole last scene with Sirius and Remus is just them talking while they're just like laying naked together in bed. And it's really sweet and very romantic. That's so nice. That's sweet. That's really sweet. And that was it. It was very enjoyable. I liked it because it jumped around a lot and it was like all very different mediums. I liked the letter. I liked that you could like read about their story, like through their different like letter tellings. I thought that was creative. Um, 
but it was fun. I liked it. I like to think that this one is an accurate representation of what happened. Wow. That's really cool. I like that you spoke to the medium as well, because in the books, they have like diary entries and letters Mm -hmm. and um, daily profit articles and things like that to move the story along. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought it was very thoughtfully done. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought it was, it was, it was fun read. And it was like, it's like I said, it was pretty quick. It was long if you wanted it to be long, but like you Mm -hmm. could take different parts and um, whoever drew the fan art was very good at it. Oh, fan art. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Very beautiful drawings. And as a queer can speak to that a lot of relationships start like that, where you're like curious and have a feeling and you don't know why you want to be such close friends with this person and you write them a letter and then you're like, let's get drinks. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was like, well, it was like well conceived in terms of like, oh, okay. Like you're actually portraying this from like an actual human standpoint. Um, uh, and um, I thought that was, oh, that was good. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. All right, Sean, tell us about your fan fiction. Okay. So you guys had like really sweet and kind and thoughtful fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read some of yours. That's yeah, that's not what I'm bringing to the table here. Um, nope. So I first became aware of this fan fiction several years ago. I think it was in like a roundup of just very odd fan fiction on like, I don't know, like BuzzFeed or Craft or something like that. So that's when I first became acquainted with this fan fiction. And I have been absolutely obsessed with it ever since that time. So it is called Double or Nothing. It is from a site called Calico's Lair. I believe the vast majority of the fanfics on this site are like extremely explicit. Very, very adult. There is a note at the very top of the fanfiction that says, warning, just as bad as it sounds. And that is an accurate note. So this, so Double or Nothing is the story of how Fred and George Weasley meet Lance Bass of the band NSYNC at a party and proceed to have a threesome with him. Uh, Fred and George are canonically bisexual in this story and there is an uncomfortable amount of extremely explicit incest. (laughs) Now, Lance Bass is the instigator in this situation. He is a very aggressive individual. Classic Lance Bass. Classic Lance allegedly. Bass. Who, who died, allegedly. Who does <laughs> pursue both of the Weasley twins. He is described as smelling, and I quote, faintly of expensive apricots, which I think is a wonderful way of describing someone. Do you yes. think Lance Bass knows about this? And if he doesn't. Oh my God, I hope so. I, hope I really hope he like, I like, I hope he has read it and I hope he loves it. It, you know what I oh think he would based on what I know about Lance Bass which is not a lot he seems like the, he's the type of person who would think this was funny as hell well and it's extremely important to note that like the Lance Bass of this story is the Lance Bass you know it is the Lance Bass who is like a celebrity from and mm-hmm. I don't think they mentioned NSYNC but he is like a celebrity the Weasley twins are very very oh excited God. about the opportunity to have sex with yeah. Lance Bass classic wizarding teens in the UK obsessed with an American boy (laughs) band member. Right. So at like, as an explanation for literally everything they do in the story, they're just like, 
it's Lance Bass as though like, of course we did this thing because we had to take the opportunity to have sex with Lance Bass of the boy band NSYNC. Sure. So um, also my understanding in this story is that Lance Bass is a muggle. Like that we are still within the, the universe as we know it. So like Fred and George are wizards who are like sort of confused by muggle things still because they like react sort of weirdly to some stuff in his house. Lance Bass is a muggle. I don't think he knows they're wizards. <laughs> I do think he thinks we are just these twins that he's thinking up at a party. <laughs> so, right. Um, it is like pretty much just like one giant explicit sex scene. Like the plot of this novel is like, what if the Weasley twins had sex with Lance Bass, but they also had sex with each other? And that this Woof. was something they had sort of been wanting to do for a while. Uh... Okay, oh, and, no. then, and then at the very end of the story, Lance Bass does heavily imply he would like to have sex with Ginny as well. well Damn. At the same time. Unclear. Yearningvoid.net. So, I mean, is it really incest if you have the same DNA? That's an interesting point, Lisa. Let's let's consider that one. Wait. If you what? have if you have the same face, is it incest? I don't know. Well, they have the same DNA. What does incest mean then? Oh, I mean, I'm absolutely joking. You're a biology major. Yeah, no, I am absolutely bullshitting here. That is gotcha. so horrifying. But, you know, I pose, I, you know, just got to pose amusing. I missed that, sarcasm. Kate was like absolutely appalled that Lisa like would make this back statement. in my chair. <laughs> but, you um... did your fingers together too, again. With the fingers. So <laughs> that was Fred and George. This is going, I know it maybe sounds like I'm making fun of this fan fiction. I love this fan fiction. I think it is an absolute perfect example of the genre. It it is just, it is exactly what fan fiction can and should be, right? Like it is fucking wild. And like I read it and I wanted to pour bleach immediately all over my brain. <laughs> Yeah. And yet it's like pretty well written. Yeah. And like, I just like, there's something about knowing that someone one day sat down and was just like, what if the Weasley twins just like fucked Lance Bass? And then they were like, I'm going to write yeah. thousands of words on this. Yeah. Do you think it was a long-term fantasy? I don't know. I don't know, but I love this for them. Like I, I love that yeah. they thought it. I love that they committed to writing it. I love that they put so much thought into it. Like this is what fan fiction should be. Hmm. That's really fun. Will you tell us how explicit the sex scene explicit. was? <laughs> okay. I read a little bit of it. Um, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Like, so when I went back and was rereading it, cause I hadn't read, it's obviously, it always occupies a certain part of my brain and will until the day that I die, but yeah, I hadn't, but fair. I hadn't gone back and actually read it, read it for a while. Um, and I did have to start to skim because I was like, Oh, I'm uncomfy with some of this i just googled it and saw the word rammed (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what to do now (laughs) we'll see so i i the parts with lance bass did not make me uncomfortable like okay good for everyone all around i didn't necessarily love reading about the weasley twins having sex with each other yeah no that's a hard task to yuck someone else's yum um what is incest anyway if they have the same DNA? <laughs> what is incest anyway if they have the same DNA? Yeah. Well, it's kind of an ego trip, maybe. I yeah. mean, 
I <laughs> we don't have to go here. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I'll, st- I'll, people, I'll stand up for this date one. people who look like them. It's actually I read a Jared Diamond book about that. It's like if you have the same size ears and they're at the same height biologically, you want to make children with them anyway. I, I do. Um, I do often measure my ear. Just yeah. to grab them. So just imagine if there was someone tender. who looked just like you. I mean, listen, my ex and I had had this conversation where if somehow we got Freaky Friday, we would have sex with each other still. Definitely. Yeah. You're not mother-daughter. Well, yeah. You're not Jamie My Lee ex was, was not my mother. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was really loud. Yeah, definitely not. Um, no, it was definitely not related to me in any way. Um, look, but I'm we not- did have that discussion where if somehow we got Freaky Friday we would definitely have sex with each other. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to, I'm not trying to take a side on the incest debate. I'm not diving into that one. I am just saying that within the world of this story, I love it. I love the story. I love this world that they created. <laughs> I love this approval. world that we created. <laughs> Who initiates the sex? Lance, Lance Bass. Bass. Lance oh. Bass is very sexually aggressive in this. Yeah. Is he like on tour and- Unclear. The UK. They're just okay. at a party and they're just like, oh my God, it's Lance Bass. And then Lance Bass is like hitting on Fred. And then he's like, I want to have sex with your brother. And Fred's like, oh, lame, fine. And so he sets him up with George. And then Lance Bass is like, you have misunderstood the situation. I would like to have sex with both of you. Oh. I'm like, okay. my, my jaw has dropped because I Googled this. Can I read a sentence? I would love that. Lance groaned against his tongue, and Fred wondered if he tasted different, if George kissed differently and wound up kissing Lance as hard as he could, determined to make, or perhaps do, an impression. <laughs> I don't understand. But the writing is not bad. Very it's good. very explicit. It's so. Very explicit. This person, like, knows how, to, knows how to write a sex scene. Yeah. Between brothers. Between and Lance brothers. Bass of the band dancing. Yeah, I would say incest is a common theme a lot. So who are I don't know. So who who are we to judge? Is that what you were about to say? Who are we to mess? (laughs) It's not new. I mean, famously, society judges in terms of legality. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. But like I said, we are not here to pass judgment on Lance Bass or the Weasley twins. We are just Mm -hmm. here to celebrate the written word. Yeah. What if we write to Lance Bass to make sure that he knows that this happened? I would absolutely love if someone would send him the story and just be like, hey, bud, heads up. Did you know, did you know this, is, this has been circulating for a little bit? I bet he knows. Yeah. Wow. I hope he likes it. I hope I he's like, this is clever. Yeah. This is funny. Oh I'm God. on board. This what is good. he into? What is Lance Bass into? I mean, if I were a celebrity and someone was like, hey, I wrote you into a threesome scene with Harry Potter characters, I'd be like, that's kind of cool. I think one day you will be a celebrity. So guys, maybe we'll be celebrities and people will write us into the Harry Potter fan fiction. Hmm. That could go terribly wrong. I don't want that. (laughs) Don't do it. Come back to this episode and know that we don't want that. Oh, Lord. But... So, my question for you two, as I quickly reroute our conversation, is do you feel inspired to read more fan fictions? Or, you know, how do you feel about 
devoting your time to them? Uh, I'll start. Um, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> mostly because I do read a lot already. So it's just like adding this on top of that is like, that's a commitment that I like, I just don't know if I'm, I'm ready to, ready to dive into. Um, but the good news is I am, I have a lot of people in my family who are those types of people where it's like, when they start a book, they have to finish it regardless of how much they hate it. I am mm-hmm. not that way. I don't have any follow through in most things. So I'll give it up if it's really terrible. So maybe one day. Fair. Yeah, I actually do want to read, Kate, the one you were talking about, because that sounded really good. And obviously you liked it a lot. Um, I, <laughs> I, I do think that I am right now, at least out of the point in my life where I'm like consuming fanfic very regularly. Like I said, that was something I was doing in like middle school and high school during the kind of the, the time of Harry Potter and of getting these new releases. Um, so I don't know that I would be like a regular fan fiction reader now. Um, I don't know that I don't know that I have the time because these are often like very, very long and very, very involved. And it, it is it's like reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely this has inspired me to like dip my toes back a little into it. I do actually regret in high school, like never writing fan fiction because in retrospect, that feels something like something I would have done and really enjoyed. Yeah. But That's funny. And that makes sense. Um, for me, I don't want to go deeper because of how much time I allowed myself to invest in this in like a guilty pleasure way that became very real very quickly. Like I've, first of all, I've stopped reading things except Harry Potter over the past year because it was so comforting um, and numbing a little bit during the pandemic. And like, I will say I, have made a goal to read something other than Harry Potter over the next week. Like try to expand and read other books and learn some things because it felt kind of indulgent. Um, But I will, I know I'm gonna read more. I'm gonna finish the 300 chapter one. I'm not gonna lie. I'll let you guys know how it goes. (laughs) Um, And if anyone listening out there has fanfic recommendations for us that they really, really like uh, or think that we would enjoy, and are not super sexually explicit about members of bands having sex with Hogwarts students, we would love to know about them. Uh, so please send us any of your fanfic recs to our email at watcherharrypod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening this week. Um, we should have the next episode out in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Uh, and if you can rate and review us, that would be really awesome. We'd really appreciate it. So thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, yes. Thank, thank you, you for keeping us company. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Right, so bye. It's been a wild ride. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, y'all. The Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by Lisa Moen, Kate Kelleher, and me, Sean Fitzpatrick. It's edited by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre, Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.